Hey everyone, you're listening to Is, Is It That, that Deep though? though? Hi everybody, I'm Joy. I live in Austin. I'm a best friend. I'm a pet owner. I'm uh, almost 30. If I ever get uh, brought up on tweets on oh anything, I have honestly, if somebody said this you or but look what you said here, I would probably say, oh yeah, that was me. I was wrong. <laughs> Why doesn't anybody just say that? Huh? What? I have not heard the word simple plan in like 11 years, I'm sure. Yo, they were lit. And I'm Cynthia. I am a PhD candidate in clinical psychology and I'm in my last year. I'll just say one thing. I remember in 2018, I tweeted, the baby deserves to be tall. I had to go and delete that tweet because I cannot have that tied to my legacy that I was on the wrong side of history. If you like shake a bottle of Coke, and then you untwist it and it explodes, right? Everything will come out, but it's going to dissipate eventually. It's not gonna to continue to explode like that for the rest of time. Emotions are like that too. So you should feel them and then just kind of let them pass through you. I don't even know, can I even say it? It's like, yeah, you know, I got her <laughs> Hey everybody, you are here listening to episode nine of Is It That Deep Though? I hope Apple will like put it as episode nine because I feel like they put bonus episode as like number nine. Oh. But this is this is episode nine with Is It That Deep Though with Joy and Cynthia. I'm so glad to be back. I feel like we've been off for like a couple of weeks mm-hmm. and a lot has like happened. Yes. Yes, definitely. A lot to catch up on. We'll get into what we can <laughs> for everybody. Yeah, I know. But there was one week where you were out of town visiting your family. And then there was last week where it was my birthday. And then like, I know I said I was going to turn up or something. I didn't. I went to bed early because I had an early flight to New York the next day. I went to New York to celebrate my birthday. But this is what did you do? How have your two weeks been? Yeah. So my two weeks have been pretty chill. I did go back home. So I visited my mom for her birthday, which was like the weekend before yours. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was really good. All my siblings came home. Um, We got a chance to celebrate. We got my mom like manicures and like took her out to eat and all that stuff. So that was nice. Um, We asked my dad to get balloons for or actually my dad had the idea to get balloons which was very sweet for my mom and he got flowers but he came back with all these pink balloons and one of the balloons was not looking right and we looked at it and it was a breast cancer awareness <gasps> balloon <laughs> it, was pink. it was like oh yes pink is good women like pink <laughs> he didn't even read it <laughs> My sister was like, did you see the balloon? I was like, bro. <laughs> like, Did your mom see it though? She did. She was, like, oh. she was like, he tried, you know, he tried. That is so cute. I feel like your family just seems so cute. Like y'all like to go back and visit all the time. And like you and your siblings all get along and like are sympathetic towards each other. And you like, like your parents, both of them. Yeah. Like, I'm not used to that. I mean, like, it's definitely not like perfect. Obviously there's still like issues and stuff. Every family has issues. Um, but I'm, yeah, I'm glad that I'm close with them. Cause it was hard when I lived in Chicago cause I was so far. Yeah. I mean, I can say that it's not that your family is perfect. It's just that I don't know what it's like to have that inclination <laughs> to be around my family like that. We mostly do our own thing. And every few times a year, you know, like, uh, 
my family's religious so like easter mother's day christmas thanksgiving there's like an attempt to bring us all back together but i really only come back for christmas and thanksgiving then ever since my niece was born like i've been trying to come back more but like i i admire that in you guys that you guys like each other and you want to be around each other and I will at least say so that it doesn't sound like I fucking hate my family. Oh, <laughs> like of course the, not. Yeah. We have this like long history of like estrangement or whatever. I've definitely learned like in the past couple of years that like you really got to value your family. Yes. Like the things that they have done for me, like without question, as if it's no big deal, mm-hmm. like the way the ways that they can be there for you, the ways that they've been there for me that I wouldn't have even kind of expected have been amazing. And it really yeah. makes you look like, damn, why was I running away from these people? Like they're amazing. They're like really good. I mean, there's everything's not perfect, you know, right. but yeah, I'll just say that. Yeah. <laughs> No, that's so true. That's so true. I think also being like, what, second culture kids, because we're, you know, kids of Nigerian immigrants. First gen. Yeah, first gen. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I've never heard of second culture. Yeah, I mean, I heard about that in like research and stuff. But yeah, yeah, firstly, first gen, like you have to like that have that balance of like being in school and being with peers in American culture and then being home in your culture. And having to balance that and there there's sometimes that stuff can kind of get tense with family stuff too so yeah there's this culture of like respect your elders even if they're shitty to you and <laughs> you know there's this culture of extreme religion that i don't exactly jive with so that can be mm-hmm. hard mm-hmm. there's you know there's just certain beliefs that i hold that my family holds that i don't and vice versa right right so sometimes it's like why would i want to be around these people but then at the same time you do have to look past a lot of that and just be like at the end of the day we like love each other and we're going to be there for each other we can count on each other you can't fucking count on no because everybody makes their own friends like you can find or you can find family in friends like Mm -hmm. your family doesn't have to be like blood related to you so i won't say like friends aren't there forever but your family will be family can be a lot of different things right yeah i just find though that especially when they're related to you there is like this unspoken like i can really count on these people whereas like when you make friends you don't always know who you can count on Mm -hmm. no i agree with that 100 because these some of these friends got family that they're gonna like rely on more than other people and i think also just with our culture too like i can rely on my parents for things that i know some people can't because it's just like very communal exactly in our culture so yeah you know i've seen a lot of talk on twitter of like about uh black families that like kick their kids out at 18 and they're like you gotta make it on your own like you ain't you ain't a kid no more i'm not paying for anything or whatever and there was even a listener letter on the read today Uh, yeah i think it came out yesterday you haven't listened where like there was a girl writing in she's in her 20s and she talks about how her mom is like taking money from her like you owe me for all the shit that i did and she got money from a settlement from a car accident or something and her mom was like well that settlement money is mine because you owe me for taking care of you while you were like incapacitated and it's like damn like my parents would never my african culture literally is like you can always come home yeah you can always live here if you need to you can always ask us for help if you need to we we have our african connections throughout every state in the u.s and in a lot of countries so me being in austin isolated on my own my mom can even like dial into her network and be mm-hmm. like, oh, this uncle will come down and help you. Times when I've been like, I don't have anybody to help me. And I tell my mom, she's like, we got Africans like 
<laughs> 20, 20 minutes away from you, they'll pull up. Like, yeah, because that's just the culture of being mm-hmm. African is like we we are there for each other. <laughs> exactly. I can't even imagine. And it's like, I mean, there's probably some other stuff going on with that family, too, where as a mom, you think that your daughter has to pay you back for taking care of her. That that's shit your makes job. me so mad. That, that makes, makes me, me so mad. mad. Like we did not ask to be born. That's the thing. We did not ask to be here. That's you not, are doing your fair. job by taking care of us mm-hmm. because you decided to give birth to us. Right. You did that. And then you kept us. You didn't give us up. Like, right. You can't I don't be even resentful re- for having a child and having yeah, to like- take care of that child the fuck it just it really makes me mad to think of like whenever i have other friends whose parents are like super toxic mm-hmm. and these friends can't really speak up for themselves mm-hmm. i mean at the time they couldn't these are like kind of old stories but or even current ones where like it's it's all comes down to i rely on you for something mm-hmm. either like i live with my mom so i have to deal with the fact that she talks to me this way or i can't afford therapy so i have mm-hmm. to deal with the fact that she talks to me this way because she's paying for it mm-hmm. and i'm just like damn like i, I c- could not be me because i I don't even know what that's like to just have to be quiet and deal. But that, that's because I've been fortunate where like I can afford most things for myself. I can't afford therapy, but <laughs> I know. But we move regardless. We, we find move regardless. We, we find other avenues. I have a TikTok now. <laughs> and I specifically use it for therapy. <laughs> Yo, TikTok LLC. Okay. That is some there are some quality pe- there's a lot of trash on there for sure. I thought TikTok was just like kids dancing no i literally thought it was just the savage remix challenge and the the walk challenge and this challenge and that challenge the bus it challenge the bus it challenge the booty me down challenge <laughs> the the like no that's all there that's all there still and then among that there's like actual people like therapists talking and like financial advisors and stuff like that there's some really good stuff and if your for you page makes sense it's a good time. If your for you page is toxic, I'm sorry. My know, for I... you page hasn't it doesn't really understand my vibe just yet. It'll but I, I will say shout out to so my mom's a therapist because mm-hmm. there have been so she is doing the Lord's work. Like mm-hmm. it's literally just about helping Gen Z and millennials understand your feelings mm-hmm. and how you react the way you react and why things it's just very it's very much like short therapy we got to move on oh yeah that's true because <laughs> we the haven't even talked thing, about my week i <laughs> so know but the only other thing i'll say is yeah i went home and then i did i ran the half marathon uh last weekend so i'm very happy about that um i just am now not feeling sore anymore but oh, wow. it was yeah it was a lot and i'm glad i was able to do it like i ran with my keys like i kept my car keys on me in case i wasn't gonna make it and had to run to i my car. am so i can't believe <laughs> she said <laughs> i kept my keys on me in case i needed to dip and just go home like not even like i thought i didn't know you had that option i thought like you could walk the rest of the way no because they i don't know what it was with this one but like the roads opened up at 10 a.m so we started at seven and it was a 10k and half and you had to be pretty much done by 10 and then oh. everything was going to shut down by 11. So if you walked the entire way, I don't think you would have made it. And I think the slowest yeah. pacer was 13 minutes. 13 yeah. minutes per kilometer? Oh, per mile. Per mile. How many miles is 10 kilometers? Uh, six, I think, because a 10K is like 6.3 and a half mile is 13.1. Okay, I'm not going to do that math. Uh <laughs> But yeah, wow, that's amazing. Applause inserted here for Cynthia doing that shit. And if you want to do one, let me know. I mean, they can't even know where you live, so how... (laughs) 
Oh, no. I mean, like you personally. Oh, hell no. Yeah. Girl, get the fuck. Hell no. I don't run like I can't run like that. I don't it's- run to prove anything to myself. I run because my brain needs it. That's literally it. That's I what feel- it is, too. If you can no- run a mile, you can run a tank. No, 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 no. I feel like these decathlons and triathlons and marathons are for people who want to prove something. It sure Either- is. I was trying to prove it to myself. Yeah, exactly. Either to other people or to themselves. And I have nothing to prove. So there's nothing driving me to do this. Mm. Maybe someday, maybe I'll like feel like if I like beat cancer one day or something. Maybe. What? is that fucked up to say if just like if something like traumatic happened where i'm like now i gotta prove to myself that i'm strong Mm, like otherwise bitch no i don't got the knees for that i'm i do the treadmill for like i can't even i'm struggling to get back up to two miles on the treadmill right now and it's the treadmill flat even repetitive ground i hate the treadmill though the treadmill is harder than road than road running oh no it's not no, it's I, not. I think so. I hate well, the treadmill. Well, the road is tougher on your feet. It's rougher and then it's uneven. And sometimes you got to go up hills and stuff. The treadmill is just like it's yeah. even, even ground. Um, yeah. Plastic. So my week, my past two weeks have been, I can't even remember what happened the week before last. I, I did our bonus episode. Mm-hmm. That was fun. Um, Y'all should listen if you haven't. Because it was good. Sure. um past that yeah like i said i spent the past week in brooklyn for my birthday i just needed to get away from everything and Mm -hmm. just like kind of reevaluate on one end i am trying to figure out where i want to live next because austin is just not the move anymore i can't i can't waste any more years of my life waiting Mm -hmm. to feel like i fit in here or like just basically the issue is austin is great fun things to do the demographic sucks. There are, it's, there's not enough black people here. Yeah. There's too many white people here. And I will just say the white adjacent people fit in we- very well with the white people to where 100%. like, it's like, they don't even notice how well they fit in and that you don't fit in. So like you kind of think to yourself that you can find not community, but like mm-hmm. <laughs> you can find like good friendships with certain people that you just can't because they're right. they're also kind of like the white people kind of looking at you like another, maybe less of another than white people. But I, anyways, I don't want to say that like I'm shitting on my people of color friends because I have met some fucking dope people here. Right. But I, it's I an do observation. It's just an observation that like it's just town. It's just not for me. And I, I got to leave. So I, I went to Brooklyn to visit and it's. I mean, it's so different there. It's so walkable. The weather was great. I didn't mm. see my tattoos the whole time I was there because I had to wear long sleeves the whole time. Oh, damn. So when I got back to Austin, I was like, damn, I got a lot of tattoos. <laughs> like, where did these come from? Um, yeah, no, it was a lot of fun. I spent so much money, so I'm scared to look at my uh, account right now. I know. Glad that I was able to pay my rent <laughs> like the first couple of days before I really was like spending money every day. But it it was nice. Like the first three days, my brother was there and we were in like the Borum Hill neighborhood and in a nice hotel and everything was fine. Um, And then from Halloween on, I was separated and I was like, I'm definitely not going to be out past dark on Halloween. Mm -hmm. And like, I don't really even want to be out past dark in general because like, don't nobody know me here like that to like, other than that, like I met up with an old UT alum and we had a good time just talking about life and stuff and uh just really reevaluating a lot of things in life honestly like I spent a lot of time 
thinking about how I want to move forward Mm -hmm. and like what I want to bring into my life. Mm -hmm. Some people think birthdays are cliche and like, fuck, it's just a birthday or whatever. But these are probably people who don't believe in New Year's resolutions either. But I I believe like- Just stay stagnant then. Don't progress in life. There can be some great times, like your birthday and New Year's. Those are just good times to really- look back mm-hmm. and, and be glad of what you've accomplished and what you've done. Like I'm in a great place. I'm good financially. Got a solid gig. I live in a two bedroom apartment by my damn self. Whereas like a couple years ago, I could barely afford a studio. Like, okay. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Like doing the damn thing. Kind yeah. of not everything is figured out, but like, I really, it's, it's just good to look back on what you've accomplished, but then also be like, And so where do we go from here? What mistakes am I still making? Mm -hmm. And what do I want to work on? So I feel very positive and optimistic Mm -hmm. about my direction in life. Not because I feel like I have a purpose or like I have a dream job (laughs) or anything like that. But just because I'm like, you really got to stop and realize I'm doing good. Like, I can pay my rent. I can go out to eat. This is my third trip this year. Yes. Like, I'm doing good. I'm a damn good cat mom. I'm a damn good friend. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm a good person. Like, you really got to stop and smell the flowers. I don't have a pop culture topic for us to talk about. I found some really great adult cartoons on Netflix uh, while I was in New York. Inside Job is really good. Okay. Um, Q-Force is amazing. It's so good. And what I love about Q-Force is the same issue that I actually have with Inside Job. I can't help but notice, like, if there is like a woman of color main character, at least we're now we've progressed far enough to where she's black, a black woman will voice her. But when she's like, oh, nine times out of 10, when she's Asian, half Asian, biracial mixed with white, or she's like, uh, just like non-white, not black, like they'll have a white actress voice her to this day. And so the main character in Inside Job is played by Lizzie Kaplan. She's supposed to be like half Asian, half white. And I'm like, this is a great opportunity to let like another Asian actress have a shot at voice acting. Like Mm -hmm. y'all don't like to give them us, us or them, honestly, anything. Because like I said, at least black women now can voice black women characters for the most part. But like even with Diane on Mm -hmm. Bojack Horseman, I'm like, right. Was she Alison Brie, right? Yes. Alison Brie and her the character is Vietnamese. And Mm -hmm. if you try to talk about it, these people be like, "Ah, it's just acting. Why does it matter? It's just voice acting. Like, but it's like, how often do white characters get voiced by black people or anybody else? Like, right. Interesting that it's no big deal when y'all are getting more roles and y'all have more opportunities. But when it's like, okay, let's take some of y'all's opportunities then. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, we can't, we never get to. It's like the flip side is not ever what's allowed to happen. And it's always like that. And like almost every other industry, it is always like that. So I'm like, and even with like the black women or black black people voicing black characters, besides Cree Summer, that hasn't really popped off really until all the stuff with George Floyd and that people were calling it out. Yeah, that's literally what I was just about to say is like, yeah, the Tiffany Haddish's if I can think of other black women who get to voice anything, Tiffany Haddish on Tuca and Birdie. 
Nicole Byer has been doing a lot of voice work. Uh, okay, lately. yeah. Um, um literally at Cree Summer since like you already 1990. Said Summer. I know. And that's the only person who can come to mind because I can't think of anyone else. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that yeah. was sad. That was Isn't a little sad. It? But um, uh, what was I saying? The George Floyd thing, it's funny how that made all of a sudden these white actresses who are playing biracial black voiced characters like Kristen Bell on mm-hmm. Central Park and uh uh Jenny Slate on Big Mouth Big Mouth yeah because a black man was was murdered by the police they were like yeah we should oh. probably stop commandeering so many roles that we don't need cuz right. we we're making good money we have plenty of gigs these are obviously they're biracial but they're I mean, at this point, I think we kind of know, like, that's kind of the direction that Big Mouth took in its last season is that this character is biracial, but she is black. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like she is in this new season, she was experiencing like, what is it like to hang around black people and Mm -hmm. understand more about black culture and tap into that and wear my hair in braids and shit and Mm -hmm. like understand more of my black side. Like, and you can't have a white voice actress voice that like, right. To me, it's just dis- disingenuous. And I think it was disingenuous from the get go to have like these white people voice these characters. And so mm-hmm. I, I, I'm i glad we, we've gotten to call that out because that's just the number one thing that was on my mind while I was watching these shows. Conversely, I will say Q-Force, um, it's a show about this queer group of spies. Oh, okay. Um, and everybody in the, in the group is voiced by a gay or queer actor. Oh, okay. Everybody. The creator... I think is all he's gay. Like it's it's one of those things because I've even noticed like some gay friends when I talk about things like call me by your name, mm-hmm. where it's like non-gay men, straight men get to take gay roles. Like how mm-hmm. often do gay men just get to play a gay character? But it, the story is about them, right? Right. They get to lead it. I get That's to so true. just yeah bring my real life experiences to this role. I don't have to play straight, and I don't have to play the gay best friend or be the stereotype Mm -hmm. like they give they give those roles to like obviously straight men who get to talk about yeah it was so challenging for me to right like this shit and i've had gay friends who are like oh that doesn't really matter it's just i'm just glad the story's getting told and i'm like yes it fucking does matter like you don't have any gay actor friends who are like damn i can't get a fucking break because there's no roles out here for me like Mm -hmm. and then when there are roles like eight times out of ten they're gonna give it to a straight dude and right Right. wasn't pete davidson like a gay character on like at this point it's like why do y'all do that like what does it do for y'all to take this gay character role away from somebody who's actually gay so i think they see it as like Oh, sorry, not to cut you no, off. No, 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 no. Go ahead. But I think they see it as like, okay, well, this is a really strong acting exercise that I can play a person who's gay and play the role well and really speak to the lived experience of this character. I think some of these people think that. I, I don't know, allegedly, allegedly. Man, but I feel like some, that's part of it. That is some Scarlett Johansson bullshit mm, right there. The mm-hmm. whole like, it's just acting. It's just I'm acting. A, I'm a, I'm an excellent actor, so I can, I can fit into any role. And it's like, it's not, it's at this point, it, it's kind of, it's political. It's not just about, wow, you could do really well at this role and you're an A-lister, so we want to give it to you. It's about representation. It's right. about, damn, this industry is not even like why every year do we have to kind of get oscars so white trending again Mm -hmm. because like it's not fucking even when white people finally even create roles where there are people of color and you still give those roles to white people Mm -hmm. it's like the fuck like it's just insulting to me 
It is. And I think the thing that makes it even more just like annoying to deal with at the least and insidious at the at worst is the fact that a lot of these people are progressive, liberal or whatever, but they see it as like, well, you know, it's the merit of the actor. The acting should speak for itself. All that stuff. Should, not everybody thinks that, especially now. But there were, I'm sure back in like the 90s and stuff, people were just like, well, the acting speaks for itself. You shouldn't, the, their race shouldn't matter. Like if they let the best actor win type of thing, let the best actress mm-hmm. win and let that sing and not like all these other factors that are obviously coming into play that matter, um, that now matters everyone because of what happened in summer of 2020. Okay, so our topic this week, I, as I said before, like I just spent a lot of time really thinking about, um, just like just a retrospect a retrospective of life and like Mm. what i've how far i've come and like what i want for the future and i feel like 28 is a very at least to me a signature age i turned 28 on the 28th so to me it does mean something to me this is an age where i've always kind of wanted to be where i'm like i'm not so old that i feel like damn it's too late for me to do anything or whatever Mm -hmm. but i'm not so young that i'm i'm dumb like I, i i feel like by 28 you should have learned several lessons Mm -hmm. and you need to constantly be taking those into account. So people can't fuck with you anymore. Mm -hmm. People can't waste as much of your time anymore. You should have confidence in yourself and in your decisions. There was another TikTok that I saw, by the way, um, on that girl, the beautiful black girl, Maha Maven. My gosh, I love her. I follow her on Instagram now. She's so gorgeous. She's so gorgeous. Uh, Her TikTok was, it was St. John, that artist. Mm. And him saying that, like, you have to really trust yourself. Some We can believe ourselves, but we're not trusting ourselves. Like, when you really trust yourself, um, you can handle whatever the outcome is of your decision. Mm-hmm. Whether it's good or it's, like, bad, you're like, you, I, I, he said it better. Y'all just got to go find her. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, he he's, like, trusting yourself. So I kind of want to start off by asking you, like, mm. how did you feel about yourself when you were young? And when do you feel like you really stepped into your confidence and, like, That's- self-worth? Yeah. That's a great question. So I think starting off when I was young, um, I definitely was insecure. I felt insecure about a lot of things. My mom always used to tell me that when I was little, I would talk a lot. Like I would talk time, like you couldn't shut me up, which is so strange to hear now because I'm a very quiet person, I'm very reserved. And Mm. she said that there was just some point where something switched and I just didn't talk as much anymore. And I became very reserved. <laughs> so I don't know if I just, be- I grew shame and I became aware of what I was doing. Cause I would just talk about literally everything, go up to like babies and ask them what their name is. And just yeah. like, why was, my, what was, why was my first thought they beat it out of you? <laughs> <laughs> my, mom, my mom used to be like, if I hear beep, if I hear beep, like always be told, shut up. <laughs> like all this shit. I'm like, she, they just, they taught you, they trained you to stop talking. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, I don't know. It could be, but it didn't work with my brother and sister because they still talk all the time and they still do. Mm. But for me, I'm like the quiet one. I'm the reserved one. And I was very shy growing up. So I think it was, that was out of insecurity and not being sure of myself. And I think honestly, that continued probably until I was like in my early twenties and I felt more confident in, in in who I was in terms of being okay with liking things that I that other people didn't enjoy and just like pursuing them and just pursuing things. Um, but I still think that was kind of in a way 
stemming from insecurity. I'm, I'm not entirely sure how, but I feel like they're still linked. And it wasn't until I was honestly probably 27 that I felt fully like aware and confident in myself and then solidified in this year in me being 28. Okay, about, let, like, let's yeah. go. Let's go to like. So when you were in school from elementary, middle school to high school, mm-hmm. college, like how secure were you? Did you feel what was your self reflect? What is it? Self image? What was your self image? Like, self-image. were yeah. you the kind of kid who was taught to like have pride in yourself and to like, you know, like I, some people whose parents, they got them black Barbie dolls and were like, your skin is beautiful oh, and you're yeah. beautiful. And so when you went to school, nobody could really tell you shit. Cause you're like, bitch, I'm, I'm beautiful and, or whatever. Like, did you fit in in school yeah, throughout I mean- the years? How have you been socially? Definitely opposite of those two things you said, especially in elementary school. I've always been like chubby and that was a huge, that took a huge toll on my self-esteem, just like my weight. And then having just like hearing growing up, like you need to lose weight, you need to lose weight, you need to lose weight, all of that stuff going up definitely impacted how I saw myself. Um, And then I've always been smart, but it's like, I didn't really get feel confidence in that. I almost felt like ashamed for being smart because I felt like that othered me in a way. And I would kind of like minimize that for sure. Not make, I would never like make myself be stupid or like not do well on in stuff, but I would like be very humble. And it's like, oh, you're so sorry. Like, oh, no, I'm not. Like, oh no, it wasn't that, that type of thing. And I feel like that, even though I don't think I, I don't know where I learned that from because I would, that would come out in front of my mom and she'd be like, shut up, you're smart. You know, like she would correct me. Um, the fat thing, no, she would endorse that for sure. Like, yeah, you're fat. You need to lose weight. (laughs) And so what age do you feel like you finally felt better about the way you looked or at least owned the way you look like this is good or have you, have you gotten there? Honestly, I, I have to say late twenties, like, I don't know when, but I think late twenties and not solidly until I was 27. I really do think the pandemic and having to like be forced to stop and like reflect on like who I was, how I was taking care of myself, how I was presenting myself as a woman and as a person, I just, I feel like a lot of stuff just shifted last year for me Mm. that I had to like unlearn all these years. Like it was, it, it was like, not like a hard shift. Like it was happening gradually, but it wasn't in high school and it wasn't in college for sure. Damn. I want to interject by saying like, it took me a long time to realize that part of your self-image and self-esteem can be from, can come from how you are as a person. It doesn't, it's not just the way you look or Mm -hmm. if people like you or not popularity, it can literally just be you being like, damn, I'm funny. Mm -hmm. I'm a good listener. Mm -hmm. I'm, I care about people and I'm empathetic to them. Mm -hmm. Oh, like things like that. Oh, I'm, I'm smart. I'm good at learning things. I'm well coordinated or whatever, like things like that. I feel like, I don't know about men, if it's a men versus women thing, but I feel like we're not taught to value those things. And so, yeah, when I was a kid, I did not, I don't think I came into any sort of confidence until college. Mm -hmm. And all of that was like purely superficial. Like, Mm -hmm. um, I was the kind of kid, I wasn't a chubby kid, but I did have like a huge growth spurt, like in fourth grade, maybe where I shot up to like five, five in fourth grade. So I'm already like taller than the teacher. Mm -hmm. By the time I'm in middle school, I'm taller than everybody in high school. I'm not taller than everybody, but I'm already like five, eight Mm -hmm. in like 10th grade. And so 
also just like having no self-confidence. Like I, I was not taught like I was taught the whole religious stuff of like Jesus loves you and you're beautifully, yeah. wonderfully and fearfully made. But that yeah. shit doesn't mean anything when you're in high school, man. Like and you're watching all these fucking Lindsay Lohan movies. Right, right. <laughs> and what, what's that other white woman? The Kirsten. Oh. Lizzie McGuire. Uh, well, just like a lot of TV and movies during that time were also pushing that you had to be skinny, white and petite. Yeah. To be beautiful. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't look like that shit at all. Mm-hmm. My life was not like, you know, like this life where, you know, my parents were cool and kooky and funny and I had my own room in this huge spacious house and I got to wear whatever I wanted like most of my clothes were hand-me-downs like we shop at Payless Mm -hmm. Payless all the way through like maybe almost high school like right beta Gloria Walmart get into it oh yeah I I didn't have any confidence in my appearance Mm -hmm. you know once my sister like went to I mean I a lot of times like I mean I didn't know much like I didn't know how to do my hair I didn't know how to dress I didn't know what looked good on me like it took me a long time to even figure out makeup like I was just an overall late bloomer and that can be really tough honestly like during those times I didn't even want to be looked at like Mm -hmm. I really just did not want to be noticed at all so you go from that to college where the parents are gone and now I can use my student loan money (laughs) to like Mm -hmm. buy whatever clothes and makeup and hair I want and like make myself look however I want. So I actually am starting, starting to like come into my own and be attractive Mm -hmm. and it's attracting men. And I'm like, not used to them actually liking me. Mm. And so I'm taking like their attention and sexual attention as like, I'm the bad, I'm a bad bitch because all these dudes, the baddest I be pulling and I, I, you know, all this shit, which granted, look, those were fun times. I am not saying that I shouldn't have done anything that I did. Right. But at the same time, I did place a lot of value in male attention and male validation. Mm -hmm. And so at times when like that was stripped from me, I broke down horribly Mm -hmm. because it's like, if he does not like me and I really like him just because he's here, Mm -hmm. then something is still wrong. Okay. That's all it is. Exactly. It's literally like, (laughs) Oh, he's here. Like it's, it's literally not like, wow, he's so nice and amazing. And we have so much in common. It's just like, Oh, he here. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so like um uh i lost track of what i was i was just gonna say that yeah i lost track of what i was saying but basically just that you know like i put a lot of weight in how men saw me because i didn't mm. i still was stuck in that elementary middle school high school mindset of like mm-hmm. i am not actually i've tricked these people into mm-hmm. finding me attractive mm-hmm. and damn it the jig is up because he is now bored with me or wants to just he's done and so now i like I don't have any self-value because my value came from him, him Mm -hmm. being interested. And so really when I say like I was confident, that's what I mean by it was superficial. It wasn't real because real confidence comes from bitch. You ain't got to be here. Actually, matter of fact, let me leave because I don't want to be here. Right. (laughs) Exactly. It's all when they say confidence comes from within obviously right but it's like there it just hits different when it clicks there's yes. so many things that we're gonna talk about that it's like it hits different when it clicks because you could hear it you could see it in movies tv show songs and hear it your whole life but until it clicks for you that moment right it's just like one ear at the other yeah i think a one sign of it clicking for you is instead of you thinking about being in their movie and their life mm-hmm. and what you can do for them mm-hmm. and how you can make them like you mm-hmm. you got to think about what, can what you are do they for me? Yeah. What are you doing for? Why do I want to be with you? Like, what right. are you you bringing to my life? Am I exactly. having fun right now? Right. Am I 
in, enjoying this like and you really got to dissect like am i actually interested in him mm-hmm. or is it just the company is it right. just the validation of somebody wants me mm-hmm. and so i got to keep that because right. that's where you really and it's like perpetual work like you really and and so in closing i'll say that when i finally really i'm working every day on that self confidence yeah cuz you think same. you have it and then something dumb something happens and you're like, I I will say I'm a lot better. So maybe yeah, in the last Mm -hmm. couple of years, I really built up a a lot of, I worked really hard on my self-image and yeah, going back to what I said, just Mm -hmm. like focus not as much on the way I look Mm -hmm. and how people are attracted to me or how they feel about me. But like, what do I bring to the table? I'm a good person. I'm a good friend. I'm funny. I listen. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I I like my hobbies. I like the music I listen to. I would want to be my fucking best friend because right. I like I actually like myself a lot. Like yes. I, when you meet people, especially w- girls or women who are not there yet, where they're like, damn, I really like myself. I think I'm yeah. fucking lit. I know a lot of women who aren't there yet. Yeah. And I think that's a good way to frame it, right? They're not there yet. I hope they get there. But yeah. it's not that like, oh, well, she don't love herself. And she, she may not at this point, but that doesn't mean that she's a person who doesn't love herself as if she just doesn't deserve worth. She's yeah. just not there yet. And she'll get there, hopefully. Yeah. It, but, it makes yeah. me really sad when I meet women or when I'm friends with women who are just kind of like apologetic about their existence. Mm-hmm. Like they don't they have not looked at themselves in the mirror and been like, I'm that bitch. Like, right. I'm a bad bitch. I'm gonna look at myself and find shit physically that I like about myself because mm-hmm. as women like we're not going to lie like that shit is important you do have to find yourself attractive like mm-hmm. you got to figure out what's attractive to you it's yeah. not about am I thin and are like you know like do I got a huge ass or I mean hey that might be something that you like about yourself but like the point is it's not about living up to beauty standards it's finding things about yourself mm-hmm. if you're like I really like my curly hair or mm-hmm. I really like the shape of my lips I really mm-hmm. like this badass I got I really like the shape of my nose I like my eyes or like I love my smile I got these cute ass dimples like mm-hmm. titties stay on fleek like mm-hmm. I got a great rack like whatever things physically you got to look at yourself and find that and then you also got to look within and be like but my personality though like right do I right. like that because mm-hmm. that's important like if you don't like your own personality like that shit is I don't even know how to because that's that. who you are and I think that for one thing that I think is that was really helpful for me on my journey that I didn't even realize was that me as like in my early 20s being more confident in the things that I liked and finding like uh what's the word that describes this not solace but just like a home in that and being like okay I'm the type of person who likes these things and I like the fact that I like them I think there's a, mm. I think that's like the next step that was really helpful it's like I like these things and I like that I'm the type of person that likes these mm-hmm. things because that kind of ties into like okay who am I as a person and who what are the things that I value and I see the value in the things that I like and I see the value like to an extent of myself and that continued to develop over time. And I think that's really helpful because like at the end of the day, like whoever, let's say when it comes to like dating or whatever, or even friendship, like the people who you surround yourself with, if you can look at these people and find and understand why they're not serving you and be like, okay, me taking the time away from myself to be with these people, is it worth it to myself? Because mm. if I could have a better time by myself doing the things that I enjoy, not to say like you should be a home buddy, but like if they're not adding to what you can already do for yourself, then why is it, why does it make sense to be around them? So, Maps. And that leads me to my next question. When do you feel like 
you got your conviction and what is good for you, what's not. And when did you learn the value of true friendship? When did you Mm -hmm. start toxic dating patterns? Like when did you just Mm -hmm. learn to stay in your conviction of this don't feel right? I'm gonna stop chasing it. Honestly, again, I think when I was 27, like I I don't know what it is, what I drank or literally, I don't know. But I felt like so many things clicked in a lot of areas of my life where I was just like, how does this, why does this, serve me like again i'll like shout out to my roommate jenny or she's not my roommate anymore but one of my really close friends when we lived together when we were in grad school um i was dealing with all these just stupid men from dating apps that just made no sense or whatever but i always was the one who was chasing Mm -hmm. and i always was i mean i mentioned this to you this to to you this before but like i always was chasing and i always was like wondering why isn't he doing this why isn't he texting him back he wouldn't text me back i would like break down like it was it was Mm, bad girl i've been there yes it was bad i look back and i'm just like (laughs) who was that person like who was she is she good? And it got to a point where she was like, okay, like, why are you chasing him? Like, why do you want this so bad? Why are you fighting for this? And at the time, like, I would give some bullshit response, like, oh, you know, he, he's cute. He said he liked me and whatever. But thinking about it, that's a really deep ass question. Like, why are you chasing this? Right? Like, why, what do you gain from this? Outside it's of self-esteem. This, that's what it is. Sorry the esteem you of your motherfucking self. Yes. Yep. It's, 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 I, like when you don't really like yourself or see value in yourself, mm-hmm. you don't have standards of how people treat you. Like you don't really feel like you deserve much. And so rather than being like, does this work for me that this guy doesn't text back? Mm-hmm. Why do, would I want to engage with somebody who wouldn't text me back? I don't like that. Like mm-hmm. you're not thinking about what you like or how they're making you feel. You're thinking why don't they want me? Maybe I can make this work. Maybe if I try harder, uh, Oh, like in, in the whole breaking down when somebody's not texting you, like that is a real thing that a lot of girls go through. Like it is that whole, like he's my world. Like I'm viewing myself through his lens and he mm-hmm. must not like me because mm-hmm. he didn't respond or whatever. And it's like, and that's a struggle all the time, bro. Mm-hmm. Like that's not something that I'm, none of this shit that we're saying is like, yeah, one day I turned 27. I just woke up and I was right. like, Beyonce, like with it, I was like, fuck y'all. I like, no, it, it's, it's still work. Every mm-hmm situation every new trial (laughs) it's like you keep getting tested right you know Mm -hmm. and that's what makes it a lesson like that's what makes it a lesson girl why are you pulling the words out of my mouth okay it's like we're like this we are literally on the same keep going keep going yeah no it's a lesson for that reason and i think a lot of the times we go through these ups and downs we think of it as just like one straight line that never stops and it's Mm -hmm. ups downs ups downs when in reality it's like ups and downs but it's like progressing in an upward fashion it's going in an upward trajectory so the what down might be when you were 27 was way higher than your highest point at 21. But it mm. feels like re- it's relative to where you are now. It feels like a down, but it was better than you- your best point at 21 when you're crying over some dude, the fact that you were able to just kind of throw it away as if it was like, you know, the nothing right. that it was. Right. I want to I wanna say that to me, I, I, I see it more as like, the shit that you went through in your, I won't even say teen years because teen years don't really count to me as, they're just kind of voiced, but like the yeah. shit you went through in your twenties, when you finally had autonomy and agency, mm-hmm. you were away from your parents. You could pick how you looked and, and you know, who you wanted to be around and stuff like that. For the most part, I, the shit you went through during like 20 to 26, mm-hmm. I will say those were lessons. Yeah. And I say post that everything else is a test. Mm-hmm. You learned 
about what it's like to engage with people who don't treat you well. You learned what it's like to just try to do the whole uh, friends with benefits hookup thing, just yeah. trying to be a part, you know, mm. you you learned what it was like to go out partying all the time. And you, you learned about how you wanted people to treat you and what you could take and what you couldn't. Right. Because mm-hmm. a lot of those friends you have from that time are not your friends anymore. Mm-hmm. How many of those relationships or situationships or whatever hookups lasted? So when you're in my eyes, 28 is the solid mark of like, we are we are not learning those lessons again. We will be tested because right. people will still come in your life and waste your time. Mm-hmm. You will still be confused about, damn, I thought this person was my friend and mm-hmm. they don't want to help me move or like I'm going through a rough time and they don't seem to be that empathetic about it or I'm dating this guy and he says he really likes me, but like he doesn't make any kind of time for me. So I'm confused. Like these are, you've probably dealt with this type of shit throughout your 20s, like right. fake friends or fair weather friends and guys who don't really like you, but kind of seem like they do, but they don't. When you're in your late twenties, that is when you should be like, cool. I don't need to learn this lesson again. Mm-hmm. I, I learned this lesson before and now I know what works for me. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to let this, it doesn't mean that like you're smart enough or not smart, but it doesn't mean that you're always able to like nip it in the bud right away and be like, right. eh, red flag. No, but it means it won't last as long as it did. Mm-hmm. It won't take you long to learn the lesson. Like you pass some tests, you fail some tests, but you keep learning like, damn, mm-hmm. okay, damn. I forgot that was like that situation before. Okay. Yeah. I won't make that mistake again. Right. Moving forward, like it's really important. And I, I want to bring it back to like friendships because I feel like I spent a lot of time in my 20s just being, I had honestly, like the theme of my life has been low expectations. I don't know where I got this mm-hmm. from, but it's like, mm-hmm. I've spent a lot of time just kind of not wanting to push too much of myself on people or like expect mm. too much because I didn't want to lose anybody. Right. Like I didn't, didn't want to be a burden. I didn't want to be a burden and I didn't want people to leave. Like mm-hmm. I I've always thought like you're supposed to keep as many friends as possible and you should have a lot of friends. And like uh if you're dating somebody and you find them attractive and they seem cool, like you should do everything you can to like make it oh that sounds so pathetic. <laughs> no, but I know, I know, I already know. Exactly. You should you should try to make it work if you can. Mm-hmm. And so like I've had friends who like really were not there for me when it counted. Like friends I could go out for drinks with, go out to dinner with, like meet guys with and stuff like that. I lost a friend during the pandemic because when she when we both lost our jobs and I was mm-hmm. like, "Damn, my lease is up like in a few weeks. Your lease isn't up for a few months. I'm on unemployment." How about I like crash with you and like help you pay your rent? Mm -hmm. She said no. She literally just said like, no, I'm at my parents. I was like, cool. Why don't I just take over your lease then? Like Mm -hmm. you're talking about money problems. She was like, no, just because I, if I want to come back, I I might need my, it was just so even repeating the story Mm -hmm. just feels weird Mm -hmm. because this was my very good friend. Mm -hmm. And so I, the fact that I even felt uncomfortable asking her for this kind of help right right and then her response was just so like flippantly like no because i want to keep my apartment to myself and why don't you just go back with your parents like i did it can't be that bad it was just it was it made me realize like and this was a friendship where i had made a lot of excuses like Mm. i didn't expect for her to have my back against white people Mm. i didn't expect for her to understand a lot of the trauma i went through and really like there were there were a lot of allowances that i made because i was like she doesn't have to be everything for me she just needs to be here and we can still have fun so you know it's fine 
And then realizing like, damn, like when things are dire, she wouldn't even be there for me. It was like, Mm -hmm. that was a lesson. Other lessons that I learn every day about like people can be your friends who help you in some avenues and are there for you in some avenues, but in really important ways when they don't see you all the way, when they, when they don't see you as a full being, Mm -hmm. when they act like you're inconveniencing them Mm -hmm. by just being yourself. And that's where self-esteem comes from self-image again, where you're like, I don't need to try to like make this work or lower my expectations or just try to be the kind of person that this person wants so that I'm fun all the time. Right. So I'm not seen as negative. Like you have to have a conviction in yourself. Like, I don't even feel good being around people I can't trust or people that I can't be myself around or who can't be there for me, who don't support me. I don't like that. So I'm right. done here. It doesn't matter what good times we've had. I'm done here. Exactly. Because I'm not like, think like one thing I heard, I can't remember if I mentioned this or we talked about this already, but like when you walk away from hanging out with these people or for, with any people, how do you feel? Like, do you feel worse walking away from hanging out with them? Or do you feel good? Or do you feel no- like that's a, I think that's a pretty good indicator if you feel worse about yourself. Oh, about myself. Yeah. I don't feel anything about myself per se. I say I, I really still really hate losing people Mm -hmm. i hate feeling like i poured so much of myself into this friendship or this relationship or whatever Mm -hmm. and now it's all gone to waste because we're done and i'm like i'm i'm done here but at the same time i have that conviction there's always a point of no return where it's like you have not provided this for me that i need so there's nothing more like i don't trust you anymore i don't want to be around you and what i find strength in finality like being like in it's done. We're dusting the, the fucking dirt off our shoulders and shit. We're like moving forward. I know now at least, even if I feel bad about time I wasted mm-hmm. with you and memories I have with you, I know at least moving forward, I don't ever have to look at you and be like, damn, can I trust this person? Right. I don't ever have to feel bad. Like I'm not being understood or like, damn, I got a friend or somebody I'm dating that I can't count on. They make me feel bad because I can't count on them. And I think that also tells an indication of growth that you can like notice these changes, notice these things and be like, okay, how am I going to act? Yep. Growth. (laughs) (laughs) It it is. It is. Uh, I think with dating, I would, I would, I would love to hear your take. So I'll, Mm. I'll, I'll word this as a question. When do you feel like you got better at dating? Because I feel like a lot of us, you and me, who are late bloomers to dating, mm-hmm. we get so excited that a guy is interested in us, right. that we put up with anything and we ignore any red flags. And we're just so concerned on if he likes us that we don't really think about if we like him or if he's mm-hmm. a fit. When do you feel like you finally started really having values and setting boundaries in dating the right way? Yeah, I think, Yeah. Shout out to the late bloomer thing, because that's so true. Um, and it was after my first relationship when I was 26. So that was like my first legitimate relationship. And when that ended, I realized and not even all the way, because, again, I think I had this huge revelation or whatever at age 27 um, and into my current age. But I felt like at 26, it like it it hit where I was like, I allowed so much to the point that I didn't really share everything that went on in this relationship with other people out of shame Mm. because of all the stuff that I allowed. There are things that no one knows about the extent of stuff that I experienced. And it wasn't like, you know, horrendous, but it was bad. And it's also so shameful that I allowed someone to treat me like this and that I allowed myself to be in that position. And I've really worked hard to give myself grace. And this was the first relationship you were 
manipulated. You were emotionally yes. and verbally abused. Like Very you thought much. all these things were like, I remember walking. There was one point I was like, I mean, we would probably get divorced and I'm okay with that. Who thinks that? Right. Like who Yo. thinks that that is disease. Yeah. Oh, sorry. And I, I want to be a therapist to you for a quick second because yes. I'm, glad, I'm glad you caught yourself and you were like, okay, I got to give myself grace. This was my first relationship. Yeah. Recognizing that you were manipulated and stuff. It was your first relationship. You cannot expect it's like riding a bike for the first time. Right. Does anybody just hop on a bike and they're riding it perfectly down and they know how to stop and they know how to make turns? No, you don't fucking know anything when you're doing something for the first time. And dating is honestly like you learn new shit with different people all the time. All like, the time. There is no manual to this shit. You don't. And especially you come from the late bloomers syndrome. You have not correct level of self-esteem yet you know yeah. you don't really know your worth or your value and you've never been in a relationship before so yeah you the will perfect storm of toxicity the perfect storm <laughs> and i honestly think that some men fucking prey on that shit they can yeah. tell women who like are willing to just go along to get along and who just want a man and they take advantage of that shit and they mm-hmm. are terrible and it's not your fault to, to be like damn i didn't know better like i had because now you can you can move forward. You learned your lesson yes. from that. And so the next test will be next time you're with somebody who does something that you're like, this is devaluing me. Right. I, f- I feel bad. Right. I feel I actively feel bad when I'm with this person or when I'm even if we're not together, like this person makes me question myself. Like mm-hmm. things like that are the red flags. It's not necessarily like what they do. It's how they make you feel about you. Right. That's the red flag where you need to be like, okay, maybe I'll give this one opportunity because I'm in a relationship where I'll try to talk about my feelings and that he's right. not making me feel good. And if it's not fixed, then I need to leave mm-hmm. because I can't fuck up how I feel about myself with this person. And when your self-esteem is at such a good level, you're kind of like, ew, they make me feel bad. I don't even want to be with this person. Like, who are they to make me feel bad about me? Like, ugh, I don't want you here. I mean, even dating, like I learn each time with each new person, like how long or how much I'm willing to put up with, you know, and, and something I brought up to you, Cynthia, was just like, to me, if we're not in a relationship, it's even more murkier because it's like, How much do I even need to talk to you about anything that right. I'm feeling like? Which, ooh, I could, oh, I could, I feel like because of everything that's gone on in our, in our hookup culture and everything like that, a lot of people take a lot of solace in that. And in fact, take advantage of that loophole. It's like, well, we're not in a relationship. Mm-hmm. So you can't expect this. You can't expect, exactly. that. You can't expect the third out of me. And it's mm-hmm. like, what, you know, I feel like that removes people from being able to, give people human decency and respect because it's like, but we weren't in a relationship. Yeah. You didn't have to do all that. That was your choice. That's what's weird about men is like, and again, it's because women were raised to be nurturing and understanding and empathetic and emotionally intelligent and men aren't raised that way. They kind of really learn that stuff by being in relationships. They learn how to communicate by being in a relationship with someone who is teaching them how to do that. You know, somebody who's requiring things of them is usually their girlfriend. Mm -hmm. So when you are just dating somebody and you're not in a committed relationship and then you start demanding communication, demanding that they acknowledge your feelings and things like that, they they don't know that that's just a God-given right that everybody should have. They view it more as like, oh, you're trying to be my girlfriend. Like, uh-uh, you're not my girlfriend. This is too much. I, I love the line. I can't give you what you need. I don't want to lead you on or whatever. And it's like, baby, like you are not leading me anywhere. I'm just Sweetheart, asking, you're I'm giving asking yourself for, way too much credit. Yes, like, like 
a sweetheart. Hey, <laughs> I'm babes. Just, babes. I'm just asking for some consideration. Mm-hmm. That's literally it. Consideration and respect. But to men, when you ask for that, to them, it's like, oh, damn, she she lost the sauce, man. Like she she she's all she caught feelings super hard for me. She want to be married to me like, damn, I got to let her down easy. And it's like it's weird. No, honestly, because I think that is so it's men. <laughs> I just feel like a lot of these boys just give themselves way too much credit and i know it's because of the patriarchy and society and that we've endured as women we endorse that but for men to think that like well i don't want to lead her on and i don't like if i show one crumb of affection she's going to think that i'm her boyfriend and she's going to be all up on me and whatever it's like it actually really isn't that like relax like i find it so funny when some of these guys are just like well you know i just don't want to lead you on or whatever it's like don't worry about why are you worried about that? Like literally why I'm, I think guys really do take like positive attention as she loves me or she likes me. <laughs> it's like, huh. you also can't lead somebody on if there's clear communication about what the expectations exactly. are. Like if we've talked about, are you looking for a relationship at all or no, no. Mm-hmm. Cool. That's yes. It. Great. Let's take our time and get there. Like I, I had another thought that I forgot mm-hmm. there there's just something about men oh here it goes I feel like it's not that they don't know it's not that they think affection I feel like for them affection is a tactic of manipulation mm-hmm. when they are first trying to get get your attention and they want you to fall for them like them and trust them they are so affectionate and right. they give you time and they communicate they know what women want and they give it to you yeah in oh, the yeah. first few weeks or in the first couple of months and then once they're like tapped out and they got to return to who they really are mm-hmm. all of a sudden all of that is like withheld or when they're just kind of done and they're ready to move on that's withheld and when you try to get it back they're like oh no i don't want a relationship oh you you want more i don't want to lead you on and it's like you were doing it in the beginning though like i'm not asking for something you've never done like right. can we just go back to what it was before like right it's like well because the re like the reason for doing it is no longer suits his his like it's not serving the what, what he wanted i don't know what i'm saying and basically it's not serving him in the way that he wants yeah and he see, was doing it to get to an end that means wasn't intentional we gotta be like men like i feel like a lot of men the way they date the whole time it is like does this serve me mm-hmm. am i getting what i want have I gotten enough of what I want? Am I ready to move on? Am I really interested in this person? Eh, not really. Like men are very self-serving when they date and when they're in relationships and women are the opposite. And we, we are really caring and nurturing and we want to understand and we want to be there for you and support you and all of this stuff. And we get taken advantage of so much by men. And I hate that this, I mean, unfortunately, this conversation is super heterosexual. Basically. Oh, right. And it turns I, to the men bash radio outer. I mean, it's not bashing. It's just it's being not, real. It's not. observations. And I will say, like, obviously, it's not all men. It's an observation. I do think, like, I, like, I do think it, when all of these things click in terms of self-esteem and, like, noticing these dating patterns and changing them and all that stuff, like, I feel like, at least for me personally, that when I don't allow or tolerate stuff and when something happens that physically disgusts me and I don't want to be around it, I feel like I encounter all this bullshit a little bit less because I'm not giving myself a chance to even encounter it. Because as soon as I kind of notice something that smells like, if it smells like a duck, walk like a duck, talk like a duck, it's a duck Mm -hmm. type of thing. I feel like I don't see it as much because I already know what it looks like. I don't need to see it again. And if I see an indication of it, I'll just, you know, exit stage left. Right. That is called passing the test. (laughs) Okay, last question. 
Moving mm-hmm. forward, what do you want to work on or towards? Ooh, good question. Forever good question. I think for me, just in general, that doesn't have to do with dating. I think I would like to continue to work on communication and like communication when I've met my limit and I cannot give myself to people anymore because I find that I often give myself to people and give myself to things and have a difficulty saying no. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I recognize in myself. Next step is I need to communicate that with people and make sure that I make that aware. And I think that comes up in relationships, friendships, um, professional life. That's something that I want to work on. Um, another thing in terms of like risk with respect with like, I guess even with dating is just to be okay with receiving it. Because I think I feel like I've been in chase mode for so long. And for the majority of the time that I came to consciousness about dating and like, you know, wanting to be in a relationship that when I see when when things are going in the right direction, I don't receive it often. And I, I find that that's some I realize, you know, that's something that I do. So that's something that I want to work on to receive it and be OK with the outcome, whether it's good or bad. Those are great things. Definitely feel like being present. Yeah, that's like what it is. Basically, yeah, it's literally just like not overthinking about it while you're there, but enjoying the moment. Mm-hmm. while it's there i have several things on my list yeah <laughs> um wait it's not it's on my uh phone this is stuff that i wrote down uh i think the night before i turned 28 mm. things that i wanted to leave behind that's uh, lovely yeah because i didn't want to forget i didn't you know i write a lot of lists and make a lot of notes because i when i have these thoughts that are important i don't want it to fade away like a dream like it's stuff that i need Mm -hmm. to hold myself accountable for and reflect on Mm -hmm. so to me it's friendships that aren't comfortable 99 percent of the time uh i noticed this year that like some of my friendships that i'm no longer in anymore i'm like that didn't even feel good most of the time like there Mm -hmm. were times i came away hanging hanging out with these people and felt like Ugh, like I, I don't feel like I was understood here or yeah. like I feel like I was judged here or like uh, this person and I don't really click mm-hmm. but I would keep hanging out with them just out of convenience or just I mean a lot of it really is convenience sometimes you really do just have to like learn how to be like I don't have to have that many friends mm-hmm. it's quality over quantity um, I want to get rid of placing importance on men like that yep low-key gonna start decentering men tbh because it's like when you men already have so much importance and weight placed on them and they fucking know it they know it that's why oh, they're yeah. so manipulative that's why they're not they stupid their, they know that girls want a boyfriend they know that women want to get married mm-hmm. so they can play with your mind and make you feel like i i i hate going into more negatives about men but it's like I really want it to be to where it's like, I don't actually have to give a guy a chance just because he's nice to me. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I can actively be like, I, I want to work on being more shallow. That's another thing. Like, Or just having set standards. Like these are standards. my standards. Yeah. Right. And some standards have to be shallow. Oh yeah. That is it. Sometimes you do need to be like, what kind of job does he have and how much money does he make? What is his ambitious level? Like ambition level at all. <laughs> I, I mean, some people would life. be like, some people would be like, eh, you're going to judge a man for not. I mean, we talked about this. Be with the, the broke boy then. Honestly, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I could go into a whole thing like that. Be with your broke man and y'all can be broke together. I'm sorry. That, okay. That was, yes. I apologize. I'm, I'm presently broke. But anyway, 
No, but you obviously your earning potential is like through the roof because you're uh, about to have your doctorate and all that. You but, can cut it out. I was in a moment. No, I'm going to leave it. And I want to work on, I want to do less of mm-hmm. blaming myself for things out of my control. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like I, I take on a lot of stress and anxiety physically. Like mm-hmm. I can literally feel it like affect my heart rate. And I feel like I have high blood pressure because of stress and anxiety and what I let myself go to sleep with Mm -hmm. and act like it's my fault and it's not my fucking fault it has nothing to do with me like and even when I make mistakes like it's okay to make a mistake like damn you gotta stop carrying that like the the one one of the good lessons from the four agreements is like you gotta stop judging yourself every time like you can acknowledge that you made a mistake judge yourself once feel Mm -hmm. guilty once and then move on and stop remembering it and then judge your judging yourself again and then feeling guilty again like right it's like hell when you keep torturing yourself with mistakes that has worked for me to be like okay we already discussed that though <laughs> cool i already accepted like yeah i fucked up like yeah i, I didn't make the best decision there i already we already talked about this moving yeah. on like that actually helps i don't know if you have any uh deep thinks but i feel like i want to do for the deep think like just some great tips yeah i don't know if you were able to come up with any this is going to be a speed round we're not going to elaborate we're just going to say and i'm going to put that cute little bell in between love it i added one at the end (laughs) awesome we're gonna just go through the list then of great great tips that i've just kind of we've both learned throughout Mm -hmm. this journey that at 28 we already got this solid in our heads but for some people who may not i just want to list them Okay. Mm-hmm. Trust your intuition. If you feel uncomfortable mm-hmm. in some friendships, drop them. If you think that person you're dating is lying to you, they are. Mm-hmm. Not everything is obvious. The weed versus plant metaphor is just that, you know, you want to get rid of weeds in your garden. They fuck up your whole garden's vibe and everything. But mm-hmm. some weeds look like plants. Some weeds, right. depending on the weather, have like flowers on them and shit. Mm-hmm. So you're like, ah, that seems like a weed, but it it looks like a plant. I mean, it's a flower. It has flowers on it. Like, let me just keep it around. Mm-hmm. And then when the weather changes, the flowers fall off and you're like, yeah, no, that was a weed this whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's been fucking up my garden soil and it's, it's ruining the vibe here. I got to get it out. You do not have to make up your mind right now. You are allowed to sleep on things. Oh, period. You're going to be alone a lot in life and you need to not only be okay with that, you have to embrace it. Like Mm -hmm. the Lizzie McGuire lifestyle is not realistic. I used to really (laughs) believe that you had two people, two best friends who would follow Mm -hmm. you around everywhere Mm -hmm. and go through all of life's shit with you. They'd go to you, go with you to the DMV and like be there for you when nobody else was and all of this shit. And it's like, no, a lot of times you're going to be alone. You got to learn how to go to the movies by yourself. You got to learn how to go to that concert by yourself. You got to run your errands by yourself. Like you cannot ever really depend on somebody a hundred percent of the time. That is not realistic. Right. Right. Family is important, whether they're related to you or not. We are all constantly working on ourselves and just operating on what we know to be true. We all make mistakes. Go easy on yourself and do not take anything personally. Your opinion of yourself is the most important. In the words of Cat Williams, bitch, it's called self-esteem. How the fuck can I fuck up how you feel about you? That was my my Cat Williams (laughs) impression. I wasn't good. It's pimping, it's pimping. But the gist of the point of that is like, don't let other people fuck up how you feel about yourself. Right. We can accept things without liking it. And I feel like often in life we're taught that, you know, if you, you have to like an outcome and accepting an outcome are the same thing. And 
it's not like, and that's okay. So you can accept how things are. You can accept how this person is, what this situation is for what it is and not like the outcome. Um, because you may not always like it, but you can accept it because it's helpful to do that. Can you give an example of that? Yeah. Like for example, like let's say you, you are, you struggled with like sobriety or something like this has come up for me in like clinical work. Like you've struggled with sobriety and you've had all these issues and they've led to all these consequences where like, you know, you've been distanced from family and like you haven't been able to do the things that you'd wanted to do because you kept relapsing and you're just like, what's wrong with me? Like, I don't know what's going on. I can't fix this. I can't fix this. I can't fix this. And you keep focusing on what has happened in the past. Like you don't like what has happened in the past, right? Like, cause those were the consequences of actions when you had relapsed, right? But you can accept it happened, right? And mm. you can move forward. You don't have to like it because it happened. So that's something that I felt was a thing that was helpful that I learned. That is great. I feel like this was a really good episode. This felt like the red table talk. This really did. <laughs> felt like felt like I did a lot of mm. hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. <laughs> like I did a lot of reassuring noises. Mm-hmm. And, and and I just I, honestly I love conversations like this. This is why we started the podcast. Yeah. We did, we talk about this shit anyways. Mm-hmm. Things we're learning about ourselves and like how where we want to be and like why we are the way that we are like why do we make these fucking decisions and these mistakes and why do we allow what we allow into our lives Mm -hmm. and it's it's not our faults but it's it's really good to analyze why am i like this what will it take me to not be like this anymore right and accepting like you know i was this way in the past and I'm moving in a direction that is the most helpful for me. That's healthier for me too. Cause there's a lot of stuff that we did growing up that wasn't healthy, but we didn't really know it wasn't healthy until it started affecting our lives yeah. and our mental health. So I mean, again, it's like, you're doing the best with what you, what you know. have and yeah, what you know, exactly. with what you know to be true. And sometimes you got to change those agreements. You got to mm-hmm. change what you think is true, what you think mm-hmm. is important, what you think you're supposed to be pursuing in life awesome it's good i'm just like i feel so bad for folks who aren't able to have these conversations like i really do because i think that they're so restorative you think people our age don't have these cover other than men i feel like men don't like to talk about their feelings and reflect that's why they're so damaged i know it's unfortunate y'all need to do better um but it's also but i feel like they y'all should feel comfortable i feel like society should give men the opportunity to feel comfortable have these spaces with other men first of all like the boosted community is not that big i think it It feels it feels like it is because of the the kevin samuels community yeah the trolls that we i mean i don't know i see i don't know any of those people so i can't be like i know that's fair I believe that they exist, but I, to my, in my head, it's because they're brought to the forefront of all the blogs and everything like that. So we're like, damn, most black men are like this. Most men are like this. Is that true? I don't know. I mean, I'd have to maybe talk to a significant amount of black men and be like, what did you think? Yeah. Yeah. Like, watch (laughs) this. And what is your honest opinion? You know what I saw? I don't know. Cause I'm not on apps right now, but I saw on hinge, they have like a voice note section. Oh yeah, they do. Oh my gosh. I feel like that's a great way. I saw this on TikTok. Like it's a great way to see who's mentally stable and who's oh, not. Oh hell no. Based- that shit is weird. I've it's, never listened no, to No, I'm it. not saying it's good, but it's like, if you are going to go out of your way to write a little voice note and put it on your profile, oh. like what type of person I wouldn't do it. You're saying if you have 
if you have one, if you have a voice memo on your account, you're not stable. There's something wrong. With you. I thought you were saying like, oh, listen to his tone of voice. And see, oh, like- girl, no, no. I, if, if he had one and he actually had something that had to press play, I would think twice. It's just it's weird. weird. It feels like obtrusive, intrusive. Intrusive. Like, I don't know you. I'm just kind of scanning your profile. And all of a sudden I got to hear your whole ass voice in I my know. ear like that. Like, you which is weird but um yeah we will see you guys next week for another episode of is it that deep though i'm so glad that we got to record this again and have a good night everybody bye